0: the all things techie podcast is a product of the extreme media network for advertising and sponsorship opportunities please visit www.extrememedia.ie that's x-t-r-e-m-e media.ie audio visual from an irish perspective this is the all things techie podcast
1: Well, hello to you. It's Justin Dawson. I'm back. I'm back. Where have I been? It's the All Things Techie podcast episode 57. And guys, I can't believe it's been months. It's been since March the 13th since I last did a podcast. Wow, that's a long time ago. Well, what's been happening? Well, have a look at this. This is where um, it started to be a two week project for uh, converting my attic at home. And making it into my new office and studio and uh, two weeks became two months nearly as we waited for carpets and bits and pieces and then there's no such thing as an easy project is there? There's never such thing as an easy project and uh, we we're waiting for carpets and blinds and then we had little incidents where um, a little bird got in underneath one of the the slates of uh, our roof and got into the eaves of the attic and we heard this little scuttering noise. So we had to empty out all our storage um, out onto the main floor of the attic and didn't find any birds. The bird actually must have got out some way as well, as the same way it went in and couldn't find a hole so that held up things as well. But I'm back and if you want to hear and read more about what I've been doing in the past couple of months, including being an advocate for autism and um, the battles that I've had with that, uh, you can check it out on my website, www.justinordawson.com. But I am back and it's been great to get back. Uh, and you know what? It's great to see things getting back into action after, well, can we say after COVID? There is COVID still, but um, more caution people got vaccinated and we're back you know and and live trade shows are back um no i wasn't at isc and i wasn't at infocom but uh, here's some photos going through if you're watching uh the video version of this podcast um on youtube uh some great photos of barcelona for isc and um, i think it makes me feeling for really up to the final month of ISE of whether people were going or not and then people did decide to go a last minute and um, sort of regrets, fear of missing out yeah I, I would have liked to have seen a bit of ISE I'm definitely going next February and um, I didn't get to Infocom I'm going to hold off on Infocom for two years and hopefully get there Um, in Vegas in two years time but I was at LTSMG in March. Uh, With a colleague, fantastic and great hospitality. And well done to Matt North uh, for doing the LTSMG for uh, 2022 and. uh, yeah, great. We I I would have loved to have seen more of the campus. Um, I, unfortunately, we did not miss because of some problems with our flights. We uh, did miss the tour around the campus, but a fantastic campus. And I won a lovely sixty-five-inch TV, which is over here in my office as well. That, uh, I, I have connected an Xbox Series S up to as well. we would probably be talking and you'll see me doing some product reviews of the Series S Xbox. I'm getting back into gaming, not a massive gamer, but uh, in any stretch, but uh, back into gaming as well. So if you'd like to get in contact with the program, uh, you can tweet, at Junkies, that is our hashtag um, on Twitter. Uh, You can also find all the details of how to get in contact with the program at www.allteenstech.ie. Okay, guys, welcome along to my studio setup tour. And apologies if you notice any rubbish in the background. That's because, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, that... Uh, we heard a little bird in the eaves of the attic and we had to go and see could we rescue it and uh, we didn't find the bird afterwards but I uh, found some bird droppings in the eaves of the attic and then had to try and figure out where the bird got in and we still haven't figured that out but uh, the bird got out just as quick as it got in um, but uh, there's loads of storage boxes that we have to still put away in the eaves of the attic but this is my studio setup. two twenty-seven 27 27-inch Dell screens, you have the Elgato Keylight Mini on the Elgato, uh, multi-mount and adjustable. We have the Elgato Facecam camera up the top of one and a great light in my attic. See that? Three Velux windows side by side and the blinds as well that I can pull down. Um, and then I have the Logitech C920 HD camera as a secondary screen. I have my small Apple Mac keyboard and the M1 Mac there, Um, a couple of hard drives, they are not solid state hard drives, I am upgrading them to solid state hard drives, Uh, the Elgato Stream Deck there, the A-Logic docking station, that goes into my Mac because Macs are just awkward when it comes to dual screens or anything bigger, so the A-Logic with the display link adapter is great for that. So uh, I could put three screens on if I want, but the size of the table, I'm just happy with that. Uh, my uh, Facebook portal that's connected to my Zoom, so that I have to do a quick Zoom call, that's grand there if I need to schedule them. Uh, I have my Bear Ringer mixing desk and my new rack unit. I know, yeah, I do have a, a compressor, optimizer, and limiter there at the top by uh, Bear Ringer as well, like my Behringer range. Yes, CD players. Yeah, I did decide to keep the CD players. It's great to have just some background music if you're doing event calls or virtual events, um, all powered through a Furman uh, power supply, and then a rack cabinet as well, just some, some space there. But like the nice thing is it's nearly the same height and same color as uh, my table table ikea table Yep, yeah, just simple ikea table if anyone asks um, and i've tidied up all my cables with a staggy uh, uh cable management system i'm gonna go around the back here to show you so uh nice tidy cables um as tidy as possible um, and they go down and then my mic arm but down the bottom here a nice cable tray that I bought on Amazon and I can put the link in the show notes and goes right around the back and all my plugs I have one being my home plug uh, for faster internet connection because I'm, I'm up in the attic and I noticed I was getting a pretty poor connection so that's to just give me a faster speed and one plug all going into my power supply on my rack where I can switch off everything, and as you can notice, it's quite silent um, here as well. So, there you go, that's my new studio set. Oh, yeah, the headphones, love my headphones, AKG headphones, noise cancelling, and very sweet. So, there you have it, my uh, studio setup, guys. Um, as you can see, I have a nice green background there, a light green background, very relaxing, and I have a lovely. Tr- green tree that my wife gave me in the room as well and I can I have my mixing desk down there as well um, on the other side. So there you have it that's my studio, that's a very simple studio tour of what I have in my, but like expensive yes, yes, semi-professional expensive equipment that I've had been collecting for years.
0: The All Things Techie Podcast Subscribe, like and share.
1: well so much other stuff that's been happening in the world of audiovisual and tech. And later on in the program, I'm going to be interviewing Oliver. Uh, Blas Oliver is the co-founder of Move AI and an expert in data science, machine learning and artificial intelligence. He will he appeared at the Dublin Tech Summit, something that I missed because I was actually in Germany with work, um, uh, doing an Erasmus Plus project where I'm looking at technology with healthcare. And uh, I, I can show up that link uh, in our show notes as well if you like to see what type of technology and healthcare, um, we're doing so. It's an Erasmus Plus, plus uh, an Erasmus Plus project. That's not easy to say in one sentence. An Erasmus Plus project, and I have been um, over in Germany, and also a team in Poland, a team in Dublin with my university, and also in Georgia. And we're looking at digital healthcare, and it, it's a busy project. It is a busy project, so it's kept me on my toes. Now. Where do we start? Uh, well, we, we mentioned about uh, Infocom and ISE, I think the coolest thing that I've seen coming out of uh, ISE and Infocom was LG Business Solutions USA has introduced the company's first multi-purpose customer service robot, the LG CLOI Guidebot. The new mobile robot is designed to operate in concierge and security operations, primarily primarily for retail clients. The robot features two large vertical LCD touchscreens, one on the front and the other on the rear of the robot. The robot features a friendly digital face to engage users in an interaction. The robot can freely navigate throughout Facility and lead visitors to specific areas of the facility. The entire robot is designed to revolutionize the customer experience virtually everywhere from museums and convention centers to movie theaters and hotels. The LG TLOI guidebox is making its official debut at Infocom 2022. So it did appear in Infocom. Have a look at the the video. This is, I really like that. I would love a robot. Yeah. I you know, if LG want to donate a robot for product testing, we'll we'll put it in, in the attic here and have it like, walking around and saying hello to me. Do you know what? Like, yeah, you have to say, has the likes of Zoom and Microsoft Teams, have they died down during uh, everything going back to normal or what we consider normal? I think it's still like Zoom is ahead of the game still and doing a uh, virtual hospitality suite uh, programs with their new um, digital signage. I think that's fantastic, we we'll have a look at this, yeah that's the, the new Zoom hospitality suite idea and Zoom phones has, has grown and they've won a couple of uh, awards at Infocom as well um, and our whiteboard system and Zoom events. I'm I'm still as busy doing uh support calls for um for Zoom events uh with XTS as well. So you know it's 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 still busy. It's still busy, um, and I think like the technology has been put into these university higher ed um locations. They've been put into to businesses now. Even even when I travel into Dublin City now, I've been in a couple of times for different um projects and personal reasons and you know what like you still see that traffic is still light i know it's the summertime now it's it's july it's still like schools are off now and people are uh, traveling on holidays and so forth but it seems that businesses are downsizing they employee capacity in in the workplace is still working from home um, and then the cost of petrol. We talked about this previously and we'll talk about it again at some stage but I think the likes of Zoom and working from home and the tech is still here to stay and I, I think at a later stage we'll talk into again about the technology you should have at home as well do you like my new studio setup i hope you do like my new studio setup and um we'll be going more into depth um, in other videos and you can see them on our youtube channel of my setup and always willing to give advice for any uh, person that's setting up their home studio of what they should put in but i really love this camera the elgato um, uh, face cam camera it's high definition it's great and uh, yeah i love it i love it a bit Um, still i still need to fix up a bit of the lighting because you can't see the around my headphones that i am i am using a green screen this isn't me on in front of dublin city but uh, it works doesn't it it's a, it's a nice setting and we have used it in our podcasts from the beginning so why not keep using it www.allteenstech.ie you can tweet me at justin or dawson or you can tweet the show at um, AV Tech Junkies and Simon Lang will be back on one of our programs in the not so distant future as well so stay tuned for that. Now Simon actually was at uh, Leonardo da Vinci they, they did this whole exhibition in the RDS have a look at these videos really spectacular uh, his company, creative technologies was involved in the projection mapping of some of these scenes and I'm sure Simon will talk to us at a later stage of what technology was put into um, into the RDS for for that display but I uh, I didn't get to go along to it myself but really hope to be able to see it myself before it uh, finishes off the exhibition but really cool technology and I like, like the way they've taken all of da Vinci's uh, uh, designs and and displayed them as well. Uh, if you're listening to the program as a podcast, you want to go back and have a look at the video on YouTube Um, for, for, for that. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash Justin Dawson is, forward slash uh, C forward slash Justin Dawson is the website Um, to, to get on. And all the details of how to find us on YouTube is on our official website, www.allteenstech.ie. Now, what... It, the new EU's new USB-C rules means for the iPhone. Well, thank God there's some sense in the matter. I Don't you hate when there's so many adapters and connections on laptops and technology? Well, it seems that the USB-C is the new step and it's here to stay. This week, the European Union lawmakers agreed on a proposals to force manufacturers of everything from smartphones and headphones to digital cameras and tablets to use the same Universal charging point, the USB Type C. The plan is for new rules to come into effect by fall 2024, so another two years, after which these devices that charge using wired cable will need to do so via a built in USC port. The single biggest impact of legislation is likely to land on Apple's iPhone, while the rest of the smartphone industry has gradually converged around the US. BC as a single standardised wired charging port, Apple has steadfastly struck with lightning the proprietary connector it introduced with the iPhone 5 back in 2012. The EU's legislation could finally force it to move on. The EU's rules are just a provisional agreement for now and will need to be approved by both the European Council and the European Parliament before they become official. That is expected to happen in summer recess, which ends in September the 1st. It will enter into force 20 days thereafter and most manufacturers will then have 24 months to comply which is where fall 2024 compliance date comes from The exception is laptops because the kind of high water usb chargers these devices require are less commonplace than phone chargers they'll instead use 40 months which brings us to the role of the beginning of 2026 so the lightning connection connection is going to go by the end the beginning of 2026 goodbye to it because i i just hate the fact and i you know for years i have to say i didn't like sony because sony were locked to themselves with adapters and there, you still see digital camcorders that are out there that have the most bizarre connections from sony um and cameras as well that had digital cameras that had the most bizarre connections from sony now they have got better and um you know I think it's just standardize it. You know, it's like my late dad was an electrician for years, and the different type of screw top connections. Have you noticed, like there's a million different types of screw heads? Maybe you haven't. If you don't work in soil, you haven't. Or if you're just interested in technology, you haven't really looked at screw heads. That's really, <laughs> really where my life has gone to, guys. Really has.
0: The All Things Techie Podcast. Subscribe, like, and share.
1: Is it a good thing that, um, that we bring out out new connections for, or just a standardised connection? I think it is. It's is. It's the way to go. Let us know what you think. Allthingstech.ie is our website. Tim Cook teased that Apple's working on an augmented reality or AR product in an interview with a state-run outlet, China Daily, telling AR fans to stay tuned and you'll see what we have to offer. It reads as a direct hint that the company is working on some sort of headset, which is rumored for years, unless of course he thinks people will be actually be excited about using AORKit apps on their phones. In the clip brought to attention by uh, 9to5Mac, the interviewer asked Cook what he thinks the key factors are are for AOR product to be successful. Cook responds by saying that it couldn't be more excited about AOR despite it being in the very first innings of Evolution. Well, AOR AOR and VR is still very much in the infancy, but it'd be interesting to see, does Apple play around with that? Microsoft has accidentally released Windows 11 for unsupported PCs. Based to Pam, that was bound to happen, wasn't it? That... (laughs) <laughs> they offer a software download going, Would you like to install Windows 11? And then it absolutely bricks your PC because it isn't compatible. Microsoft released the final version of its next big Windows 11 update, h 2 to release preview testers on Tuesday and accidentally made it available to PCs that aren't officially supported. Oops. Um, Twitter were quick to spot the mistake with hundreds of Windows insiders Being able to upgrade their Windows 10 machine to older on older CPUs, Microsoft has strict minimum hardware requirements for Windows 11, leaving millions of PCs behind. So the mistake will once again highlight the company's controversial upgrade policy. Uh Um, Elon Musk, (laughs) he was buying Twitter. He's not buying Twitter. Twitter is going to court with them. Um, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Rather, not Elon Musk, Elon Musk pulled out of a $44 billion deal to buy Twitter. Did anyone find this surprising that he was going to pull out? I certainly didn't. Like, for $44 billion, not million, billion, would you not just set up your own social media network? He has the power, he has the Wi-Fi, he has the money to spend on setting up his own uh, social media channel. But Elon Musk is seeking to end his £44 billion or £36 billion pounds to buy Twitter, alleging multiple breaches of the agreement. The announcement is the latest twist in the long-running saga after the world's richest person decided to buy Twitter in April. Mr. Musk said he had backed out because Twitter failed to provide enough information on the number of spa- spam and fake accounts. Now, can, can we be honest here? Like, every social media platform has. Uh, percentage of fake accounts. You know, like I say none is better than the other with regards to fake accounts. Twitter says it plans to pursue legal action to enforce the agreement. So, you know, it's starting in April, it's now July, Elon Musk has looked at the back end of Twitter, says, nope, not buying it and probably like the amount of non-disclosure agreements that Have come into place and how much stuff he has seen behind the scenes of Twitter and his team have seen behind the scenes of Twitter. I'm sure Twitter is going, no you have to buy it now. The Twitter board is committed to closing the transaction on the price and terms agreed with Mr. Twitter chairperson Brett Taylor wrote in a tweet setting up a potentially long and protracted uh, legal battle between two sides. The original merger agreement includes a $1 billion uh, breakup fee in May, Mr. Musk said the deal was temporarily on hold as he was awaiting data on the number of fake and spam accounts on Twitter. The billionaire businessman had asked for evidence to back the company's assertion that spam and bot accounts make up less than five percent of total users. I say every social media account now. I have no proof of this, but I say every social media platform has about I say twenty to twenty-five percent fake accounts easily. In a letter filed by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, Mr. Musk's lawyer said Twitter had failed or refused to provide this information. So that's going to be a long battle and uh, watch the space. Um, Apple launches lockdown mode to block spyware attacks on at-risk users. Apple has announced a new security feature to protect high-risk users from spyware cyber attacks. Lockdown mode will be available in the autumn and the next operation system across all of the company's iPhones, iPads and Macs. This setting blocks certain functions and prevents unknown users from calling. It comes after Apple devices owned by activists, politicians and journalists were infected with spyware. Good move, good move, you know, whatever secures your device um, more. It's, it's worthwhile. Now, coming up next, we're going to talk with Oliver Blaise uh, from Move AI and all things artificial intelligence. Uh, We didn't get a chance to ask Oliver about the Twitter scandal, but um, we um, talked about some great AI. This is the All Things Techie Podcast, episode 57. Yeah, so Oliver, thank you so much. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to meet at, at the Dublin Tech Summit. So I got delayed um, with, with a couple of other work projects. But I'll, I'll, I'll just start off um, and ask you to explain like, a bit about yourself and uh, how you got involved in the world of artificial mm-hmm. intelligence.
0: Yes, yes, definitely. Um, So I got, I started my career in uh, business intelligence, you know, being able to uh, analyze data and extract trends and then try to impact strategies in businesses. Um, And um, I realized it it was so important to be able to uh, take good decisions. And at some point, what I realized is um, even if you do some simple graph and simple analysis, sometimes it's hard for people to understand uh, what it is. Uh, We're so uh, immature in analysis. um, And uh, this is why I then, it it was about 10 years ago. And this is, um, at that that time, uh, AI started to become more mainstream than it was, a little bit less academic. And this is why I said, you know what, at some point, uh, with AI, we're able to automate decision-making, you know, these, like these small decisions uh, every day. And at some point, when you, you, you're able to have, to take good, good decisions, even if they are small, but in the aggregate, it makes a huge impact. And this is why I decided to be involved and uh, make sure that uh, this great technology that is usually, uh, that was more reserved for, for the academics, uh, could be used by real businesses.
1: Yeah, so, so I, I'm guessing even winding back before artificial intelligence uh, and your your career in AI, um, you studied computer science, I guess, in, in in college. Or how did you get in interest in this end of things?
0: I, it, it was I, so. I studied business intelligence. We learned how, how to code a little bit. I'm not the best developer, uh, but we learned about uh, how to uh, to leverage data to its uh, fullest. So um, this is how I I learned to exploit data. And then I learned the rest on myself. There's a very big a very tight community out there. So it's all about trying to find the right resource online, get interested, do a lot of projects. So I did like a lot of projects before I failed uh, many, many times. Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, but but at least I, I learned and uh, at some point, this is where. At some point, I'd done enough to justify, you know, starting my my own company. So I started a consulting company in AI because I felt like we could really deploy this type of solution in several different businesses. Uh, but yeah, it's all about the community and being able to find resources online. So when was Move AI established? So we, we started where? So we're, we're in uh, in Montreal, in Canada, in fact. Okay. Uh, we're in Canada and we started uh, around uh, four years ago.
1: Okay, so to explain to some of our listeners, what type of jobs, what type of customers come to you uh, <laughs> looking for jobs? Like the world of AI is so large in, in, in so different, so many different types of way. What are your main type of customers?
0: My main type of customer? This is a very good question. I would have trouble answering exactly what the right type of customer. In fact, uh, the, the problem is because uh, it's that we're across different industries, so it's that we're not working with uh, specific industries. We're working with uh, organizations, usually they're medium or large they're quite large because it's really important to have uh, enough data and to start having you no know, data hygiene, making sure that uh, you're gathering the right information and also your, willi- your willingness to invest in uh, these type of tools. Um, but then after that we're working, it- it's really use case specific. So usually we are either going to talk with uh, organization or uh, organization can come to us from time to time and say, you know what, I would like to, as this capability, I would like to solve these problems. So we're essentially business problem solvers. When the problem is very complex, usually we're able to find uh, find some good use cases for AI. Um, when it's a really repetitive job, when you need a lot of information to, to take the right decisions, those are. Uh, sign early signs that uh, probably AI could be a good tool for you uh, to you know get get the benefit that you're looking for.
1: What's been the most exciting project you've worked on?
0: The most exciting. I, I have two different answers. Uh, one is um, a little bit more uh, uh, on the business side and the other one. it's because sometimes we do some creative work. Um, so on the business side, um, working, and it's it looks stupid because it it looks like uh, everyday work but you know in grocery stores Mm um being able to predict the demand for the articles so every article that the grocery store needs to order uh, can be quite challenging uh, especially with perishable goods so how much meat do you need to order in order to to make sure that you're able to meet the demand it's quite difficult especially when there's promotion and uh, there's a weather impacting patterns and it's super complex but it's something that you see when you go in the grocery in the grocery store sometimes when you go there and there's nothing that there's nothing out there because everything's back order it's frustrating and also it's frustrating in or so now that we're trying to cut a little bit on now that we're trying to have a little bit greener initiatives it's frustrating to to under when we understand that some people they are throwing away or they need to transform they need to almost give away meat uh, and fruit vegetables because otherwise they will they, they will lose uh the 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 product so it's frustrating and being able to build a solution that's able to predict this i think it's very it's very useful and uh it helps uh, it, it helps a lot. Um, so that's one, but like one, that's very fun that we worked on. So we worked on, um, a, um, it, it's, we, we worked on two very similar use cases. So it, it was essentially to clone a person. Okay. So, uh, being able, so we cloned, uh, no, Noam Chomsky. I don't know if you know Noam yes, Chomsky. Yes, yes, yes. So we, we cloned him and we also cloned a journalist. When I say clone, of course, it's not the, a real cloning mechanism, but um, being able to um, to to understand uh, a question from someone, uh, then we created an algorithms that would um, generate a, an answer based on the, the Noam Chomsky's corpus, uh, and then we we even cloned his voice. So that it's it's like Noam Chomsky answered you back and building this mechanism that's living and that's able to maintain a conversation. It, it's just super fun. There's not a lot of use. <laughs> it's not useful. So I talked about a useful use case and a useless use case, but those are like very
1: I, I to work on. we we have an Irish news reporter um who's uh, Ch- Charlie Bird I don't know have you come across Ortiz, Charlie Bird um in, yes, on, I heard. yeah and they they did a full algorithm because he's losing his voice because of MND and I've looked at that and just went wow they just took his old news clips and they were able to recreate his voice and to the extent that there was tears rolling down his face. So, you might think of it as a useless case scenario, but it this can recreate someone's voice that, if they have diseases that are are untreatable, it's it's incredible.
0: Um. I agree. Uh, In in fact, it's not useful. I think it it was a powerful word. Uh, It's useful. Like you said, um, so there are use cases BBC. I don't know if you you know, but BBC now uh, are deploying or have deployed, I have not followed um, a a radio with like a personalized host. So they will read to you the news, but uh, it's personalized host uh, and completely autonomous. Uh, so it's useful. Some articles that are automatically written. Um, so th- there's a very like in the full pattern of uh, cloning a per- like the-, the actual clone, it was more for uh, like building an experiment or mm-hmm. uh, like a- an art work. So it-, it was very fun, and like there's something to it that's, uh, that that lives in time but also there are a very interesting news cases that are hidden in there and it can generate a lot of value. I, I like the uh, example that you provided.
1: Yeah, that, that, but people will ask and listeners will always ask and even I ask at times, when, when have we the ethics of when we have taken it that step too far? So, for example, like you have the likes of internet banking that's at some place is in America and I'm sure are in Canada as well. They use your voice for security recognition. When does it get to the stage of going, well, if someone can clone my voice, they can also, and uh, could also pretend that it's, it's the, uh, it's me.
0: It's absolutely. Uh, absolutely right. You're, you're you're totally right when you're saying there's some ethical boundaries that uh, are probably getting crossed at some point, point. and definitely. So uh, when we did the, or the last clone, it, it 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 sounds funny when I'm saying this, but when we built the like the last project, we used a, a product from Microsoft. It's uh, it's called Neural Voice. Okay, so you use it to train the model, and it, it's it's very uh, innovative. It's it's really uh, state of the art. And honestly, it's so crazy how similar the voice gets to, uh, and we compared, like we compared the journalist, his name is Mathieu Gall, so we compared his voice against the clone's voice. It's almost the same, um, but on the good news, so Microsoft is, um, is very tight uh, on, on the ethics, so we had to do a lot of things. We had to fill up contracts. We had to even record. Um, so the journalist needed to um, to record this uh, with his own voice, saying, "I authorize the, the Microsoft to do this and that, and this and that." And uh, we had a very very specific contract, so we couldn't use this. Uh, so every time, for instance, every time the voice is playing, uh, the the other people need to know it's a it's a bot and it's not a real person. Um, you cannot try to uh, to to mem- to to, um, to you, you cannot uh, um, mislead people. So th- there were very tight guidelines that we needed to follow, and uh, I was encouraged when I saw this. Um, the the problem though is, uh, and I know my the the community uh, won't necessarily like this, but uh when it's open source it can get dangerous when yes. the 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 algorithms because now it's not like you're building the algorithms from scratch i'm not building a model from zero you now there are some models that are we, we say pre-trained so they are pre they are already good and you can just fine tune them a little bit okay but if it's open source you can do whatever you want with it and this is where it gets really dangerous. And this is one reason why, uh, I don't know if you know GPT-3, the, uh, it's, um, it's a text generation algorithm. Um, nice. And it's very powerful, but this is why GPT-3 was, uh, so Microsoft is now the, uh, the, the, the seller of uh, GPT-3. So GPT-3 now is under the Microsoft's umbrella under the all-sell side because we wanted to have some control over these powerful algorithms. Otherwise, it can be very dangerous. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and so this is a more of a personal question. Do you see the fact that these type of pieces of software and algorithms, do you you, just... Microsoft obviously has a very locked down for developers like yourself. Do you see it in, in time that it's going to be more open and anyone could start becoming a programmer and be able to do these type of algorithms and and create people, <laughs> virtual people?
0: It's coming. So, so what's good. And I'm, you know, I'm. Uh, I'm uh, like. It's very hard to read the future. It's yeah, like we're talking about innovation. So, these are my two cents. Let's say. Um, so, in my mind, what's going to happen is the these very big algorithms uh, that are trained. So it, it costs it, it costs so much in terms of just plain energy to train these models. It's not. Uh, it's not anybody who can just train. GPT-3. It takes so many GPUs, so many servers to be able to get there and also a lot of time. So in my mind, these, uh, the organization that are training uh, these models, they will then work. So, so these models will be protected. So no, I, I don't, I doubt that many people will try to reproduce these models uh, by themselves. Instead we will leverage these models and we will fine-tune retrain so i can give you an example uh, you can take a gpt3 gpt3 has been trained from the web okay so everything that's written basically is part of gpt3 but yeah. you could say you know what i will only try to uh write poetry with the gpt3 so you could say i'll take. GPT-3 and then I'll fine-tune it with every poems that I like and then GPT-3 could write me new poems from scratch. So you fine-tune it uh, and like it's like poetry is not very harmful but you could say you know what Uh, I will build uh, a capability using GPT-3 to create fake news on the Ukraine versus uh, Russia war for instance. So you could you, the, it, this is where it gets complicated so now because the these algorithms will be locked down so you will have to to follow an ethic like ethical guidelines uh, and but but then i think everybody will soon be able to do this like this fine tuning work but following these ethical uh, uh, guidelines so it, it's coming it's called uh, low code no code platforms so you'll be able to say you know, with like an interface, I want to use GPT-3. Uh, here are different type of, of uh, articles or poetry uh, po- po- poems. Here mm-hmm. are some poems and uh, I want to fine tune it and then I can generate new poems. So it's coming very, very soon.
1: Now, you, you say that it, the length of time it takes. How long did it take for you to do your No Noam Chomsky um, person, virtual person?
0: When you know what to do, it, and that, that's also another pro, uh, another problem in the industry. So it can, in theory, can take it could take a month okay. a month to build that from A to Z. But usually, it's not going to be ve- it, it's not going to be a perfect experience. It will you know it will have a lot of weaknesses, a lot of weak spots, and then you you, you need to you you need to fine-tune it, you need to uh, enhance uh, the capabilities so and this is so where do you stop and this is an, another challenge so I don't know if you heard about lambda lambda2 the the Google chatbot yeah so there's so you could say, you know what we'll build like the chatbot to be able to do a certain task. It's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be good enough and usually in businesses, this is what you need you need something that's Good enough. Uh, it, it does what you need to get the benefit that you're looking for. But uh, when when luxury, these big cloud providers like Google, like like the uh, the uh, the uh, GAFAM in, in French, with, um, so anyway, the Google, Facebook, Amazon of this world. So we have a lot of people. They have big, big, big workforces working on these, and they're able to to build these fantastic. Um, platform and and models and algorithms and like Lambda Two for instance is so good that people they start thinking and you know here the 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 employee that says uh, Lambda Two is sentient. It, in my mind it's not sentient. It's just a very good chatbot and it's so good it uh, mislead people in in thinking it's human too, but it's not. It just learned from pattern from other human in the past.
1: Yeah, and it's crazy, like, we've all used these type of support uh, bots on websites and when you're looking for tech support, and sometimes you, you try and play with them. You just go, okay, like, to see, <laughs> is this a bot or is this a human person? So you start asking them questions instead. But as you say, it's so realistic that they know that if you haven't answered something correctly, they'll go back and and ask you. Let's let's go into the shopping end of things again. Now, actually, before we go into the shopping end of things like that, we're, we're talking a lot about text, we're talking about audio there. But I think the the visual is still very much in its infancy with regards to when you start doing AI. Like I've seen some type of face swaps. You talk about propaganda videos. Some are getting very, very um, realistic. But it's usually around the skin and the lips movement, and at times you can say, "Hold on, I in that frame you can see the computerized image." Do you think it's getting better, or have have you, like have you experimented with the the visual entertains as
0: well as the audio? It's it's very difficult to have good video, good. Uh... I think images, uh, it has been solved, basically. Um, With images, now you're able to build very, very realistic images. Um, But with videos, the problem is the amount of images. So you need to have consistency. I think it's a different objective if you're thinking about it. So the objective about having something realistic, so that can be met. This image is realistic great but you have to have a lot of different images that are realistic and alike so the image need to always be similar because you need to be consistent so this is a very very big challenge um but you know with with images this is dangerous You see a lot of uh, image already uh, it, it has impacted some even political scene there, there were some scenes I don't recall what country it was in uh, Latin America but um, one candidate needed to uh, to to drop uh, out of a race because uh, his uh, wife I, so they were they were uh, images about his wife having an affair it was not even true it was uh, it was a uh, deep fake uh, of of uh, her right. uh, so this is this is crazy and um, this is why uh, this is. We we need to invest in learning a little bit more about the technology, and we need to invest into learning how to to identify uh, what's real and what's not real. And this is uh, this is a very big challenge. I know that Meta has, uh, has invested a lot in there. I've not followed up to be to be frank with you. What happened? But uh, I know a lot of effort is still required to say you know what this is fake. This is not fake. This is true. Uh, same thing with. And with the um, same thing with content. So now everything, and I'm super suspicious every time I'm going on the internet because I know how easy it is to create fake content, to create fake images, to create fake clips. Mm -hmm. So you, we all need to be very, very careful and making sure that when you're reading article, you are thorough and you look at a lot of different sources before you take it as a fact.
1: Yeah, like there's been Irish journalists who have claimed defamation against uh, social media giants because their adverts were being played on these social media platforms and apparently advertising different products that they had no connection with, Purity, fake. But they they won their claims. Shopping. So, so let let I I noticed that um in some of our stores now that we have in dublin i can go to a clothes shop i can drop a pair of shorts a t-shirt a jumper into a clothes basket and it automatically recognizes that that's a jumper that's a t-shirt mm. and that's a pair of shorts i think that algorithm is amazing you talk about some of the amazon shops uh, in england that literally you don't have to barcode anything you just walk out the door and it knows what you have Taken off the mm-hmm. shelves as products. Now, yes, I don't think we'll ever get away with uh, from the online shopping experience because of COVID and more people, more, and more people shop online. But do you think this is the way things are going to go forward? That it's going to take away the the need for staff and cashier desks, and people are just going to be able to walk in and out of stores.
0: Uh, this is a good. This is a good question. Um, these capabilities are very are very interesting, and I know how it's built. It's like um, it's it's very precise, and it learns when you pick it up. So so it already knows. Okay, there, this is the, the product, and then it's able to understand when you pick it up, and if you leave it at some place else, it will recognize it just based on your pattern, your previous pattern. So this is quite. Uh, quite interesting and it's not even very difficult the, the game is all about the cameras the way they're built uh being able to get to to get everything um so it's not even difficult but it's still it's still a little bit a little bit early so i don't think it's going to be mainstream in time like soon i don't think it's going to be 2022 2023 but i i think it's coming and here i think we should be um i think I think it, we shouldn't be too worried uh, because uh, I don't know if, the same is, if it's the same thing in Ireland, but like in Canada, for instance, one of the big challenges that we have is um, the, the uh, scarcity of uh, the of, uh, worker. Um, so in some industries, in the retail store, in, uh, in restaurants, it's really, really, really difficult to have people. In fact, in every industry, it's going to be really difficult to have the, the right staff. And usually you're dealing with a lot of vac- vacancies so in fact these type of algorithms will will help in canada to try to uh, reduce the, the 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 need for workers uh, because it's going to be super challenging to get them and uh, with the baby boomers getting a, a retired um, it's going to be more and more challenging in the next coming years um, so um, i don't I, i'm not sure if it's going to be completely mainstream uh, but it's going to help some of the some of the companies uh, getting around the scarcity of uh, of uh, its workforce.
1: Yep, yeah, I, I totally agree. Otherwise, I I appreciate you giving your time up for this interview. Um, really interesting, and <laughs> the end of artificial intelligence, that is a growing trend. Um, unfortunately, I, I would have loved to, i, I say if I, we met at the Dublin Tech Summit earlier uh, this month, uh, i say we would have sat for a, a good long time over coffee talking about all the different types of deep fakes and algorithms and ethics involved. If people want to hear more about your, you and your company, where can they find you?
0: You can find me online. Honestly, I'm I'm um, a big fan of uh, LinkedIn. I'm uh, a lot on LinkedIn, so you can find me at uh, Olivier blay uh, on on LinkedIn. Um, I can uh, maybe we can uh, I'll share I'll share the video for sure, so we'll be able to find me. And uh, also, I'm I'm uh, out there at a lot of different conferences, um, so you can probably catch me at one of the AI conferences. Um, so I'm uh, I'm traveling these days. It's pretty fun. It has been a long conference uh, spring. Usually it's around May and June, but now it it, it drags on probably because of the COVID. Uh, the COVID getting uh, a little bit less uh, serious, and uh, uh, now the, these events are in person, and they they're going into July, and even there are some uh, events in August. So definitely we'll we'll be able to uh, to see each other in a in a future conference for sure.
1: Well, our thanks to Oliver Blas and um, everyone that's helped contribute to the All Things Techie podcast episode 57. We are back. I'm so glad to say we're back and I will be doing a lot more podcasts in the not-so-distant future. Simon will be joining us in episode 58. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Do look at our show notes on our website, www.allthingstech.ie. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye.